we get together and we feel the presence and leadership of God as we walk through the, the morning and uh, things that are, that are of Him just reach our hearts. What a great day. What a great thing to do. What, a, what an awesome way to spend your time this morning. This morning we are, uh, we are continuing our look into the book of Matthew. And uh, as you know, Pastor Tim and I have been talking and we, we talked about the idea that we wanted to do an extended conversation about discipleship. And um, because we know that the attention span of the average American is not uh, really able to take in a 25-part sermon all at once, we have, we've decided to break it up and to one of the ways we're breaking it up is to hear the words of one of the disciples and in this case, that would be Matthew. So we're going to be working through this series of this, on discipleship for a while. I don't even want to tell you how long we have planned. And we're going to be working through the book of Matthew simultaneously. So we'll do some, some sermons on discipleship. We'll do some sermons on Matthew. We'll go back and forth between the two. Today, there's definitely an overlap. There's definitely a discussion about discipleship as we finish the first chapter of Matthew. So as we, as we open up the first chapter of Matthew, I just want to share with you under the, under the heading, under the idea of the first disciples. The first disciples. The first disciples of Jesus were actually his parents. The first people to surrender to the idea, to the story, to the miraculous event that was the coming of Christ... And to be engaged with him longer than anyone else were his parents. They did so at risk to their reputation, at risk to their standing in the community, at risk to their good names, but they did so. And so this morning as we, uh, as we tackle Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, I'm going to read it. This is a New King James Version. If you have your Bible with you, you can open it up. There are some in the backs of the seats. I know a lot of you have it on your, on your devices. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're reading this in the first century, you've gotten the book of Matthew, and uh, someone stood up, and they started to read it in, the, in, the, in your presence, in your church, or in the evangelistic series that was going on, that would make you gasp. Didn't bother you at all, did it? Because you've heard it before. You're just really familiar with it, but let's hear it again. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child. Of the Holy Spirit. Still not bothering you much, is it? Verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and <coughs> not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to, make you mar- to, to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and took his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, And he called his name Jesus. We normally only read this passage at Christmas time. Or if it comes up in our annual reading of the Bible, right? When it comes up, we read it. But we don't really stop to consider. Here is here's Matthew. He's again beginning this book. He starts by giving us a genealogy of Jesus, which doesn't mean much to us, but meant a tremendous amount to first century believers. And the fact that he pulls out those, those grandmas of Jesus, those four grandmas, is stating, again, a great deal about Jesus. It's stating a great deal about his ministry and his kingdom and what he's about. 
And then he starts the actual story with that opening line, that, that, that first just moment. You know, this is, this, is a real, this is a real gatherer of thought. If you're in the first century and you read this thing, then that Joseph and Mary, the birth of Jesus was like this, and Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found to be with child. Everybody in, first, in the first century would understand that a little differently than we do, and they would all sort of gasp, sort of go, oh man, those who knew the story would have said, why did he have to put that right up front? Why does he have to lead with that? Because it's scandalous. It's inappropriate. It's, it's inappropriate to even bring such things up. Yeah, this is kind of the, the secret in the closet that the family doesn't want anybody to know about. Right? Um, when I was a boy, I was, when I was a boy. When I was a boy in high school, which just meant I was a big boy, by the way. Those of you who are in high school, I don't want to break it to you. I, I don't want to, I don't want, I want, don't want to burst your bubble, but manhood's a bit ahead of you yet. You may be as big as a man, but you haven't really arrived yet. Talk to someone who's about 40. They'll, they'll tell you that. Don't, tell, don't ask your dad because you don't believe him anymore anyway right now. <laughs> but it's a little bit ahead of you yet. It's coming, but it's not here yet. Size does not make you a man. If it were the case, some of us would never have gotten there. And some of us got there when I was... 12 or 13 when I was this size. A lot more hair. <laughs> size does not make you a man. A little experience does. In this betrothal, in this moment, you probably have a, a young man in his 20s, perhaps. We're not really sure, depending on whether you, whether you think uh, Jesus, all of Jesus' ch- brothers and sisters were stepchildren of Joseph, or whether you uh, think that they were born after Joseph, and people juggle those thoughts and scholars go back and forth on it, uh, depending, especially if you're, if you're a Catholic-oriented scholar, you always say they were stepsons, um, they were his children before, and then that places Joseph much older. But uh, a lot of folks just believe that they had children after Jesus. Either way... Joseph, as tradition would have it in that time frame, would be 20 to 25. Mary would be 14 to 16, classically. Okay? Children, young ladies were, were, were uh, married much younger, and the men were given a little time to grow up. And so this betrothal that's, being, that's taking place, this initial event... And the reaction of the parents to the experience they're having is what I want to focus in on today. Okay? As we talk about these two disciples, there are a couple of, uh, this couple of young disciples, we, we pick up Mary's portion of the story really in Luke, not here. We pick it up mainly in Luke, and Luke 138 is just this place where you get a glimpse into her heart. You kind of get a, an idea of what kind of, what kind of person this is, what kind of faith she has, how committed she is to God. Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Now understand, let it be to me according to your word is the last of this passage. The angel has just told her, oh, by the way, you're going to have a baby. To which she says, that is biologically and physically impossible. And the angel says, oh, yeah, yeah. Kinda, but this isn't about biology and your physiology. This is about God and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you're going to have a child, and immediately all the ramifications of that had to hit her. You are going to be the girl in high school. When I was a high school boy, if a girl was with child, they did not have daycare in my high school. In fact, what happened, most of the time is that the young lady, this always seemed a little unfair to me, because there was obviously, except in Mary's case, another partner, right? If you don't know, look for someone who's about 40 or 50, ask them. <laughs> and, the, and what would happen was that she would, after she was discovered as Mary, then, uh, then she would stay home or she would go to her aunt's house or she would go to her grandparents' house and the child would be born and no one in school would ever know about it. 
And she may come back and finish the next year, and she may not. She may finish at another school, because it was a big, it was a big scandal. I, it's weird to me today that they have daycare in schools. And I, I, maybe I'm just an old guy, but that just seems weird to me. It, it, it seems a little bit like a, a green light to me. We'll stop my political commentary right there for the day. (laughs) Someone just went, phew. (laughs) Mary realized the ramifications of all of this. She doesn't live in a big town where she can hide this. She lives in a tiny little town where everybody knows everybody's business. And she knows everybody's going to know her business very quickly. She's not going to be able to hide. She's not big enough to hide this. This is going to be a very difficult thing to keep under your, your cloak for very long. A couple of three, maybe four months is the, is the top end. And then people are going to start to question and wonder and comment. And what about her mom? And what about her dad? And what about the other people around her? What, what, what is she going to tell them? Hey, mom, I have something to say to you. Guess what happened to me today while I was walking down the road? An angel spoke to me. Uh-huh. Moms? Your 14 or 15 year old comes home. She says, an angel spoke to me. Uh Uh-huh. And he told me that I was going to have a child. What? Um, He told me I was going to have a child. When did he say you were going to have a child? Immediately. Like immediately, like today? Well, no, like nine months from now. Moms? How's that conversation going in your kitchen? Dad gets home from work that day. Comes in from the field or from the carpenter shop. But Nazareth was a town that many scholars believe was established to support the building of a Roman city that was nearby. There was a a big Roman city being built. And Nazareth looks like it might have just popped up as a little contractor's camp sort of a place. And grew into a little community. But that's... That dad gets home, right? He comes home that night, right? We never think about it. We never talk about this at Christmas. But what about Mary's mom and dad? When dad gets home and mom says, Mary has something to talk to you about. You know as a dad, that's not a good conversation. Right? It is never she got straight A's on her report card. What is going on? Well, dad... While I was walking home from school today, an angel talked to me. What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, mom had the same reaction. An angel talked to me. What did he say? He said I was going to have a child. Okay, that's that's good news. You know, you and Joseph are going to get married. You're going to have a child. I'll be a grandpa. That'll be great. Well, he said I was going to have a child starting now. Hold on, we have some conversation. What do you mean an angel and what do you mean that? Do you, are you telling me what I think you're telling me right now? How do those conversations, how does that work? Mary says, let it be done to me according to your word, knowing all of that's ahead. Knowing she's going home to tell mom and dad about the conversation with the angel. Wouldn't you have said, hey, can you come home with me? Gabriel. Gabriel, you got to come home because you're going to tell my mom and dad this. Yeah. Not me, man. I'll, I'll, I'm okay. I'm in. But you tell mom and dad. I would have. I mean, what a great plan. Bring the angel the Gabriel walking into your living. Hey, mom, Gabriel, talk. You guys. Big glowing angel walks into your living room. That would change your mother's attitude right there. Let it be done to me in spite of what I know about what you just said. Has God ever invited you into a risk? Have you taken it? Has God ever invited you to take a risk with Him? Did you do it? Let it be done to me according to your word. We're barely getting past Mary here. And Joseph. Joseph is simply described with this little phrase, and Joseph was a just man. He was a just man. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. If that were on your tombstone, 
Wouldn't you love that? If that were the phrase written on your tombstone, your family decides after you're gone to put something as a, as a marker to the kind of person you are and who you are and to, to describe you to the world who will walk past this space over the next decades or until Jesus comes and they, they decide that the thing to write on your tombstone, he was a just man. Couldn't you be happy with that? In fact, some of you are thinking, I'm telling my family right now, get that on my tombstone, right? This is in my will. What it says on my tombstone is he was a just man. And I don't care if you don't like it, put it on there. Right? Joseph was a just man. You know, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That describes this guy. We'll come back to that a little bit, but he was a just man. The first two disciples, a young woman, maybe in her mid-teens, early to mid-teens, who says, let it be done to me. I, I get it. I see, what, I see what it might cost me, but okay, I'm in. And her husband, handpicked by God, was a just man, a good guy kind of guy you'd want for a partner in your business kind of guy you'd want to stand alongside in a difficult situation kind of guy you'd want to have praying for you praying with you he was a just man now the birth of jesus christ was as follows his mother mary was betrothed to joseph before they came together she was found with child of the holy spirit now this is a, the, the, the Gospel of Matthew is a tract written to in, invite Jews into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he opens with this argument, Mary gave birth to Jesus as a miraculous event from a child of the Holy Spirit. Get your mind around that as we start this story, folks, because that's a big deal. There are lots of folks out there who believe in the historical Jesus who don't believe that Jesus was, in fact, God. And so they have to explain things like this away. Well, well, we don't really, you know. And as soon as you start explaining things away in the Scripture, you've lost the Scripture entirely. As soon as you start picking your parts out of it, you lose it. Because it's a, it's a quality of answers from the entirety of the book. Mary is found to be with child. Oh, I've got 56 seconds. I don't know what that was, but it was a little scary. Oh, good. Bringing Jesus into their lives creates a problem for them. That's kind of where I want you to get the peace. This is not happy, happy home time. Bringing Jesus into Mary and Joseph's life creates a problem for them. Does Jesus create problems for you? Does bringing Jesus into your life create problems for you? If it doesn't, may I suggest you should ask why? Because Jesus in your life should create conflict with the world around you and lots of things about the world around you are going to cause problems. There are going to be a lot of conflicts between the way you go about your business with, with a, as a follower of Jesus and the way the rest of the world goes about their business. Inviting Jesus in your life probably will cause you some trouble. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. I like this guy. I like this choice. He's a just man, and, and he doesn't want, to, doesn't want to make a public example of her, so he's minded to put her away secretly, privately. Kind of like, you know, we're going to... You think about what, where she goes next, Right? According to Luke, she goes off to her Aunt Elizabeth's house. Cousin Elizabeth's house. She goes off to Elizabeth's house. She's gone for quite a while. Quiet. Private. Let's keep this under wraps. But while we thought about these things, just, just, we read these stories with such, um, such black and white, such, eh, you know, so what... Wait a second. While he thought about the ramifications of his newly betrothed wife being with child, though he's not been with her, while he thought about those things, 
Ever had something really bad happen to you? How's that day go? What happens that night and you're trying to go to sleep? What's rolling through your mind as the last thought as you finally close your eyes at one or two in the morning? As you thought about those things. As Joseph, Joseph thought about those things. What am I going to do? What are, oh, this is horrible. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to her? Oh, what, God, what are you going to do here? She, she, she says it was an angel. I'm not sure I'm going to buy that. That's just a crazy thought. That's an angel? Come on. Come on, really? Lord, as he thought about these things, you ponder the hard things that are going on. You, you, you hear bad news and you ponder and you worry and you think and you consider and you pray and you go back and forth and you, you rethink what you heard and you, you process the conversation. You see Mary and Joseph, she's just walking into his house. She's practiced now. It's her third try. She's talked to mom. She's talked to dad. She goes to Joseph and she goes, well... No one believes me, but I was walking home the other day from school and the angel came and talked to me. What? That's what everybody says. But angel talked to me. Really? Yeah, he said I was going to have a child. Oh, that's good news. We're going to be parents. So an angel talked to you and told you we were going to have a child? Did he say anything more? Yeah, he did. He said, I was going to start now. What? What do you mean you're going to start now? I'm not doing that. No, no. We have a commitment. There's a, this is a betrothal. This is not a marriage. It's, it's like it, but it's separate. It's not. No, we're not starting now. Well, he didn't say you were going to be a part of it. What do you mean? I'm not going to be a part of it. He's replaying the conversation. Replaying that, that face. She looks so sincere and so honest and so innocent. And she's, tears are streaming down her face as she's repeating the story. And the, the weight and the cost is beginning to really come home. It's really beginning to be something that's costing her. Joseph thought about those things. Joseph worried about those things. Joseph mulled over those things. Joseph fretted about those things. Joseph thought about those things. Obviously, I'm filling in some gaps, right? I'm just filling them in to try to give you an understanding of the impact of this story that we just scoot right past. These people are asked to do something that's requiring a great deal of faith and to confront issues that no one in their day wanted to confront. To have a letter marked after their name. This is a first century Jewish problem. Betrothal, sort of like engagement, was a year-long process. It had a reason for being a year-long process. One, it was an opportunity for the, the, the male to go and build a house for his new coming family. Now, he could either build his own house if he had the means to do that. Most of the time, they added a wing or a couple of rooms onto their parents' house. And that's the way the house, they, they would make a home. So in the first century, ladies, if you got married to someone, you were moving in with your mother and father-in-law. They added a little room or two for you, and you're moving in. Hello, everybody. Don't you know that's where the mother-in-law stories got started? <laughs> Sorry, ladies. They moved typically into the house, and he would go and prepare that place. So the second thing he would do is they would, do, they would plan and prepare for the wedding. It was, a, it was a big deal. It didn't take a whole year, but it was opportunity for them to prepare and plan for the wedding, for people to come. Traveling was a lot harder then, and so there was an opportunity for family to gather and for the wedding celebration. And number three, number three, it gave time to prove the woman's purity. You understand what's happening here, right? It gave an opportunity for them to find out whether there was to be any blossoming or not. And guess who just failed number three? Under 
understand the weight of the scandal here, folks. Understand the weight of the, that they're facing in their own community. And I, I'm looking at you and you're like, yeah, so, 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 yeah. No, not so. Not, there's no shrugging the shoulders here. It's a big deal. A betrothal was a, as binding as a marriage. The two were even considered and spoken of as husband and wife. As binding as a marriage, they were even spoken, spoken of as husband and wife. If the man died during this time, she would be considered a widow. A betrothal was a serious contract. Number two, a divorce was necessary to break a betrothal. Notice he wants to put her away quietly. He's going to divorce her quietly. They're engaged. Today, if you're engaged and you break the engagement, you just break the engagement, right? You, you call all your friends or you send out that, that really awkward letter after the wedding announcement that says we're not getting married. It's hard, but it's not a legal factor. This is a legal matter. A betrothal has to actually have a divorce connected to it. The problem with a quiet divorce, a quiet betrothal breaking, a, a quiet engagement breaking, is it requires witnesses. It requires somebody to, to, to witness the letter he's giving her. He has to write a letter of divorcement, and it has to be witnessed by a couple of people in the community. It's really tough to find discreet people Especially in a small town, right? Because a very discreet person will almost always tell somebody, right? They have a best friend. They have a wife, a spouse. They'll go, well, you know, I was at Joseph's house today. You know, well, what were we doing at Joseph's house today? Well, signing some documents. Well, what were you signing? Oh, I can't really tell you. Well, I'll tell just you. This is just between, don't tell anyone, Ben. You can't tell anybody. Yeah, how does that usually work? You see, this is the problem with this quiet divorce. You got to tell you have to have witnesses to make this thing happen. So he's thinking about these things. He's thinking about these things. He's been horribly betrayed. If he loves this woman, it's even worse. If it was an arrangement by their parents, there's still a, a lot at stake. His honor's at stake. She's dishonored him. And when this becomes public, he'll be kind of a laughing stock of the neighborhood. He has every right to see her punished. Do you know what the punishment was? According to Moses, the punishment was stoning. Now, now, there's a question because the Romans didn't allow them to do, to follow forward on the, uh, the, the Mosaic laws all the time. The, the Romans may have prevented something like this, but we know that the Jews did try to stone people and did stone people. Stephen was stoned. Paul was stoned. We know that they actually did follow through on this sometimes. And as, as isolated as Nazareth was, it could possibly be true that she could have been stoned. And he had every right, according to his community, to require that. After what she's done, take her out of the village, build a pile of rocks on her dead body so that she will be a testament to those who would choose the same thing. Hmm. Though he lives justly and loves mercy... He's been betrayed. He has a right for her to be punished. But he lives justly and loves mercy. You can tell because he's trying to do this quietly. Trying to get you a picture. This is what he's pondering. This is that, that little sentence we pass over. And while Joseph was, think, Joseph was thinking about these things, we just think, oh yeah, you know, a couple of minutes he sat down and he was thinking about it. No, this is something that wears on you. Think about how you go home with bad news. What you do, you weep over it, you struggle with it, you think about it, you pray about it. These are the kinds of ramifications of this event. What he's been told has a huge impact on his life and her life, her family, his family. Everybody in the village is going to take this home with them. 
While he was thinking about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. Now note that he he reminds him of his lineage. You are a son of David. Your friends and family may not think about that much, but in heaven we have a record. And you, my friend, are a son of David. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. So what is the emotion that's going through his life while he's thinking about these things? He's scared. He's scared. Which one of the reasons why I, I think of, I lean towards the younger Joseph, the 20, 25 year old Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Ding, 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 ding. What was the story she told? Ah, the Holy Spirit is uh, coming. I don't know how this works, man, but he says I'm about to have a baby. Gabriel comes and visits him in the night and says, She told you the story. The story is true. God's proposal. He's pondering what to do. How do I get rid of her? Do I, do I try to get her to move to another town where we can kind of pretend this thing didn't happen? Do I, do, I try to, do I try to deal with this quietly? How do I get a quiet divorce? Where do I find some discreet people? And he starts running through the people in the village, right? You know how this works, right? You start running through the people you know. You start thinking, oh, who can I get that would sign this paper and not tell anyone? And you kind of run through, oh, I could get that. Oh, no, no, no. I could get that. Oh, well, maybe. Oh, I remember that one time I told this. Uh, and you start running through a list of, who could I find? I need two signatures. Who could I get to do this thing? And as he's worrying and afraid and fretting all over, over all this, God proposes something different. Just marry her. Oh, sure. Just marry her. You know what that is, right? That's a confession that this is my baby. You realize that, right? That's a statement that you couldn't wait till the betrothal was over. You couldn't hold on. You couldn't wait. You went and you did something that created a child. And you're getting married because you're admitting to it. But it's a just man. And this, this new option is not all that easy. I mean, it, it, it solves a little bit of the problem. It, it, it helps take some of the weight of disgrace off of Mary. But instead of just taking the weight of disgrace off of Mary, now it puts a giant red arrow of disgrace on him. I mean, the guys in the town are like, yeah, she's just a kid. Come on. What's wrong with you? She's much younger, dude. What are you doing? Couldn't you wait a year? Really? Go lift some big rocks. Do something. But come on. You notice only the men are laughing. Because the men know big rocks are effective. Joseph has nothing to gain and his reputation to lose. We live in such large communities now that reputations are a little thin. But in small communities, reputations are a big deal. I lived in a town and actually... When I lived there as a kid, the town was pretty large. It was about 80,000 people. But the town was actually five towns. They had five little communities that gotten together and decided to be one community. And so they, they signed the papers and gotten together, and yet, okay, we're now one town. We lived in a portion of that town, which was up against the hills, out, up against the East Bay Hills, and it ran along a... Uh, a, a street called Mission Boulevard. There was one little town there called Niles. And in that section, the Niles district, there were probably less than 10,000 people. My grandfather walked into the bank on Main Street in Niles. He wanted to buy a 66 Rambler. That may not excite you, but people liked it in 1966. <laughs> he walked into the bank. He walked up to the banker and he said, I want to buy a car. The banker said, okay, Dick. Banker knew his name. Come on over, let's sign some papers. He walked over, signed the papers, making the promise that he would pay for the car. And he walked out of the bank with the money to buy the car. 
That's what reputation is worth in a small town. A person with a good reputation, understood to be a just and honest person, could walk into a bank in the middle 60s, tell the banker what he wanted, and on his reputation, walk out with the money to buy the car. Joseph was risking in this little tiny town what it had taken his lifetime thus far to build up and could not be regained in another lifetime. His reputation as a right, righteous man. She will bring forth a son. Don't miss this little line. Take Mary to be your wife. It'll work out. I got your back. Take Mary to be your wife. She's going to have a son. And you're going to call his name Jesus. Now, in, in, the, in, the, in the 21st century, we're, we, we heard, we've heard Jesus' name so much. It's just like anything else. It's, it's, it's like, you know, there's a white house. It's, there's a blue car. It, 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 it takes very little impact. But in the first century Jewish family, the word he would have used is call his name Yeshua, which means God. God is salvation. She will have a son, and you will call his name Yahweh saves. Yeshua. The impact of that little phrase is so powerfully messianic that son of David, a child of the Holy Spirit, And you're going to call his name Yeshua started to add up in David's mind. A story was being built and handed to him. You will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. This is when the first century Jew who's reading Matthew's tract starts to do backflips. Are you telling me that this guy is the actual Messiah, the one can't come to save Israel, the one who would be the king of Israel? Are you telling me that this is actually the Messiah, this kid born in nowhere, Bethlehem, raised by nobody parents in Nazareth? Are you telling me this is the Messiah? Are you kidding? Really? Seriously? I need to read more of this story. I got to know what's going on. Is this, if this is true, this changes everything. If this is true... Everything is different from now on. Joseph, look, man, you are a son of David. She is, she is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, you're going to name this child Yeshua because he will save his family, Israel, from their sins. Wait a second, God, you tell me this is the Messiah? Are you about to tell me that that little girl, that little girl I know and I love and I've, I, I've betrothed to is the Messiah? Are you, are you kidding me? I, 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 I'm going to be the father of... A whole new set of things to think about. Then Joseph, by the way, I've skipped a little bit. I just want to, I want to focus in on Joseph. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep. Don't miss this line. You ever had a dream wake you up? Do you think this dream might wake you up? Oh, by the way, you know you've been thinking about putting your work quietly. That was nice. That was cool. That's a merciful, kind thing to do. That was nice of you. But I got a different plan for you. Your whole life is about to change. I have a different plan for you. The plan is Mary, Mary. Not the contrary one. Marry this Mary. And have a child. She's going to have a son by the Holy Spirit. And you, son of David, are going to name this son of David, Yahweh saves. The reason is he's going to save his people from their sins. Bing! Eyes are open. 
Ho, ho, ho. Adrenaline suddenly flushing through his body. It's like, whoa, I can't, whoa, whoa. Which I think is the reaction of a lot of people when they meet Jesus, by the way. I think a lot of us are going to arrive in heaven and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And we're going to walk around and Jesus is going to point things out and we're just going to be going, whoa. He's going to point at the street and you're going to go, whoa. Because you don't know what else to say. There are no words to describe infinity. There are no words to describe the creation of God that's never entered into the heart of man. So I think Joseph wakes up that night going, Whoa! Wait! Wait! Um... Oh, okay, I'm in, I guess. Wow! I don't think he went back to sleep. I don't think he went back to sleep. In fact... As soon as it was reasonable, he probably went to Mary's house. He probably went to his parents. He probably dealt with the people who were holding his hand. He said, I'm into this man. An angel spoke to me. And they went, what? Yeah, I, I, you won't believe it. I was laying there and I, an angel spoke to me. Really? Yeah, the angel told me that I should marry Mary. What? Yeah. The angel Gabriel spoke to me and said that the son of David coming by the authority of the Holy Spirit is going to be born of Mary and I get to name him. I get to be his dad. I know, it blows me away too. His name's supposed to be Yahweh saves. The last thing the angel said to me, you won't believe this, Dad, the last thing the angel said to me was, He will save His people from their sins. You know what his dad said? Whoa! Really? Do you really believe this is true? Yeah. What did you have to eat before you went to sleep? No, Dad, I, I didn't have any pizza. It's true. It's true. A little girl in a backwater community that no one hardly thought about. Who was from the family of David? Was betrothed to a very, 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 very distant relative. Who was from the family of David? And one day when she was going about her business, an angel came to her and said, Would you like to be in on the biggest revolution that's ever going to happen in the universe? I'm going to... I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit on you, and you're going to have a son, and he's going to be the Messiah. And she said, Okay. I understand what that'll cost me, but okay. And then her mom and dad and Joseph are informed and it just gets worse and worse and worse and nobody buys it and nobody believes her. And then that same angel shows up with David, with Joseph one night when he's ready to, to figure out how to get this divorce done. And he says, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's the Holy Spirit. and You get to be the father of the Messiah. And Joseph, believing that God is good and that God would not leave him 
alone to manage such a project. Joseph said, okay, I will marry her. And I will call his name Jesus. Because I believe he will be the one who saves Israel from their sin. The first disciples, this first huge act of faith, Mary and Joseph. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's so much our pattern to not want to risk anything for you. And we apologize for that this morning. We apologize for being cowardly where our faith is concerned when you've challenged us to big things and we've just been too scared to move. We ask for greater faith. We ask for that faith in the full knowledge that growing faith comes by practice. So we're asking practice. Lord, we're asking for you to challenge us again. We don't know if we're going to be able to say yes, but we're going to try. In the presence of such giants, as Mary and Joseph, we are truly humbled at the tiny steps we've taken. But Father, we do ask that you would take us to the next step. Whether it's the first one or the hundred and first one, we just ask that you would take us forward to the next step that we might be better disciples tomorrow than we've been today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to listen to the words of this song carefully as they talk about faith. Give me the faith to believe you When I'm stuck here in my fear Give me the strength to trust you When my vision's blurred by tears Give me a hope for tomorrow Cause today has gone so wrong I'm on my knees Give me the faith to believe even when I cannot see you, you're still shining, you're still shining. Even when I cannot hear you, you're still calling out my name. Even when I cannot feel you, your arms are open, always holding on to me. Give me the faith to believe. You say you'll never leave me. And your love will conquer fear. You say your day is coming. When you'll wipe away my tears. Give me your hope for tomorrow. Cause the day has gone so wrong. I'm on my knees. Give me the faith to believe. Even when I cannot see you, you're still shining. You're still shining. Even when I cannot hear you, you're still calling out my name. And even when I cannot feel you, your arms are open, always holding on to me. 
Won't you give me the faith to see the invisible? Give me the faith to believe the impossible. Oh, give me the faith to receive the incredible. Oh, give me the faith to believe it. Oh, give me the faith to believe it. Even when I cannot see you, you're still shining, you're still shining. Even when I cannot hear you, you're still calling out my name. And even when I cannot feel you, your arms are open, always holding on to me. Even when I cannot hear you, you're still calling out my name. And even when I cannot feel you, your arms are open, always holding on to me. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we, we want faith. We want to trust you. As we looked at this young girl, Mary, who trusted you, who had faith, who submitted to you. And we looked at this young man, Joseph, who learned to trust you and submitted to you also. May we, as your people, submit to you. May we move forward in our lives, submitting to you and growing in our discipleship. We ask that you would take us from this place and be used by you in whatever way you see fit. So we submit to you, dear Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you for joining us for service today. Our service continues in a few moments with some Bible studies. It's Bible studies for adults, mainly here, and Bible studies for children, mainly down this hall, the youngest in the very back. So um, we're glad that you've joined us. We have some refreshments in the back. Our Bible studies will will commence in about 10 minutes. Thank you.
It was really great because we just had tables. Thank 